Hello and welcome to The M Word, where we have uncensored conversations on all things marketing. We're your hosts, Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. For season two, our conversations are focused on brand. Listen in for ideas you can use for your brand. Enjoy today's episode. Today on The M Word, we're talking with Christine Wilson from M2M Consulting based in Falls Church, Virginia. Christine started her business in 2011 as a single consultant around a kitchen table, originally helping businesses market to moms. She's since spent the last 10 years growing the M2M brand and her agency to provide digital marketing expertise to a variety of clients. In our chat with Christine, we talk about the evolution of brands, the importance of brand guidelines, hiring people who represent and resemble your brand, and making sure that everyone is working from the same playbook. Stick around towards the end of the interview and Christine shares how she originally envisioned her brand and how she ended up with the logo that she has today. And if you like what you hear, we would appreciate a review after the show. Here we go. Welcome to the M word, Christine. Hi, thanks for having me, Jen. It's so good to see you. Well, it's great to have you. It's been a long time. You and I have known each other for, it feels like forever through children and, and our local community, but then even more so through our professional affiliations. So it's nice to sit down and have an official conversation with you about brand today. Absolutely. And I, I'm wondering if that was my ding right off the bat being unprofessional, Jen, I'm sorry about that. But um, as you know, it never stops, right? The slacks, the emails, all the fun things. But yeah, I remember in my first little dinky office, having you come over and chatting about all the fun things about running a small business. And um, you were ahead of me a little bit on some of the experiences. And I, I got to tell you how stressed out I was and all the things that I was feeling. And it was so nice to be able to talk to someone else that was an entrepreneur and in marketing. And so um, I'm grateful for that. And and I'm so glad. And we've gotten to share clients over the years and, and fun things. So it's so fun to chat with you. That's right. You know, I think as small agency owners have to kind of stick together because there's, uh, you know, we're not all doing a it's unique, but we're having the same challenges. So, you know, and I think one of the things we share in common is, you know, just loving to uh, promote brands and create awareness around things that are very meaningful to us on personal levels and professional levels. But to start us off, why don't you share, like when you hear the word brand, what does that mean to you? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it is sort of the unique identifier for, you know, a product or a service or, um, you know, a business, but obviously it's not all businesses, right? So we, I know you and I both work with a lot of nonprofits and, um, you know, that brand is, is always an interesting challenge, right? Who are you? What are you? And what do you stand for? Um, and, and how do you identify that, you know, both, both the name and the visual, um, there's so much that goes into it. So I don't know. That's not a very good answer. <laughs> Did I get to anything there that, that, that sounds, sounds good, plausible, Jen? <laughs> I think it's a great answer. I think, you know, so many people have different definitions of brand and it, yeah. you know, it's not just identity. It, it can be people, it can be, um, values, mission, but also logo, identity, website. I mean, there's so much that goes into the brand. So, um, you know, moving forward, we'd love to know, like set the stage for, for your brand. Like what is the name, the logo is, has it always been this? Tell us more about M2M. Sure. Yeah. So 
You know, so M2M was my brainchild in an evening of raising my new babies, my two little boys, and trying to figure out how I was ever going to work a nine to five under somebody else's rules and guidance, right? And not have the flexibility of life. And I thought I came from marketing uh, to women at the Oxygen Network, and I knew how powerful women were in decision-making across the board. And I, being a new mom, I really knew about the power of the mom, the mom buyer, the decision-maker, the one with so many needs. And so I was really excited about that and how you could talk to moms and their needs and, and to women in general. So I, I said, I can't go back to work and sit in someone else's office nine to five and do this children raising. And I am passionate about moms. And it was at a time where social media was just emerging. And so it was like, oh, wow, I can be an expert because who, who is an expert? Nobody's an expert at this point. So it was a matter of just really going in and saying, I'm going to do the work to understand this. So I sat there one night and I thought, what do I want to do? I want to help people market to moms. And so that's where that whole M to M came from. And I sat down and I thought, what is it that I know how to do? I know how to talk to women in a way that resonates. I am a mom. I know what I'm struggling with and I know what I need in order to make my life easier. And so I went to find clients that had that had the need or had products and services that would benefit moms and really make their lives better. So the M to M, I, I originally worked with like, you know, somebody on a Fiverr type site for a really awful, oh my gosh, if you guys want to have a visual of what our original logo looked like, I will tell you it was not a brand to be proud of. It was $50 overnight. I put up a GoDaddy website by myself and I said to my husband, I'm in business. I did it. I have it. And I think that really worked, right? It worked. It, it did. It worked, you know, to get those first couple clients. But the really cool part was honing in on the brand over the next year or so and looking one to be more professional and two, to figure out what it is we really wanted to do. And um, like, we didn't have a tagline because we didn't, I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to offer. Um, I was sort of figuring that out. And a big part of where M2M went over the years was figuring out what our brand was based on what we wanted to do for our clients and being very specific about that. We are not an everything marketing agency. We do not do all comms work. We do digital marketing. And we've been really careful to, to hone in on that with our brand and how we position ourselves on our website, how we position ourselves in our marketing materials, what our case studies are that we share. Um, because then I know I can deliver good work. When I try to sway outside, you know, you're like, oh, sure, I'll take that work because the money sounds great. That's when you start to, to you know, really lose your, your brand identity um, and the confidence you can have within your brand. So, so the um, focus on digital, was that, was that from your origin or did that, did that develop as you figured out what you and your team were really good at delivering? So I think my background really was much stronger digital, but in the beginning I was like, oh, I'll do everything. I'll make your signs. I have, I had a person doing PR. I knew no, I would, had no PR background. I didn't know anything about PR. Um, it was, I was trying to do everything, right? Everything marketing. Um, but my background had been working, you know, in a very strong, uh, digital, a couple different digital startups. 
I knew digital. It was what I knew. And it also was where I was passionate because I was, I'm an early adopter. I'm on things right away. You know, and when Facebook came out, I had a sister in college. So I was on Facebook when other people in their mid to late twenties didn't even know what it was. Um, I understood the power, you know, of, of social media from early, early stages. The other thing is, I, d I think this was something I didn't realize until I was maybe in my late twenties, early thirties is that I have a creative side. I always, my sister's an artist, so she was the creative one and I was the more analytical business oriented person in my mind. And then when I realized I did have a creative side, I may not be the most amazing graphic designer, but I do have vision for things. Um, that got me all the more excited for digital content creation. And then you have to pull the people around you that can make amazing things. So I might have an idea, but how do I make it happen? So. So I'm curious, like in that, in that evolution, was there, cause you said you were very intentional with, with honing in and being, being specialists. Were you, was this all Christine driven at M to M or, or was there a process that you used to bring in whether your team or outside help to, to really help you hone that brand as you figured out what it was that you wanted to be doing? Yeah. So when I started, I really wanted to be a one person consultant sitting at my kitchen table, hence the consulting in my name. But you know, my other background besides marketing is sales and the two go together. And so business development is what I do really well. And so as I grew, I obviously couldn't do all the work. You know, I was overselling for what my capacity was. And that's where I started bringing in people. I, I remember having early on, you know, graphic designer contractors helping me, video editors. And then a couple of years in, um, I met a woman named Tracy McCoy and she just really changed my whole vision for what M to M could be. So she came on as a partner. She had really great, strong ideas for how we, you know, I'm a little bit more of a like, free for all person. She really wanted to put order and definition to what M to M was all about. And that was critical and we really needed it. And we were growing and getting bigger and we needed organization. You know, we needed um, a hierarchy. We needed people to have someone to go talk to. You know, I was like, we could just all be even and, and the same and, you know, it doesn't work. It really, you know, unfortunately, even like Google learned, it doesn't work. You can't stay flat. Um, so she helped really come in and figure out what our services are and what our brand was. Um, and how we wanted to position ourselves. So she was a critical part of the business for a long time. Christine, one thing that I really love that you said, and I think this rings true for many businesses, is they all started with something. Like it wasn't the logo they loved. It wasn't maybe the name, but they were like, let's just get something going and do it. And then there is that evolution. And so I think it's, it's good and it's okay to say, we can change our brand or we can change our logo or tweak it or refresh it. Like that is part of growing your business and expanding. Have you seen a payoff to investing in your brand and, and how are you investing now that, that you have a, a large team and it's not just you at your kitchen table? Um, how are you investing in, and what's been that payoff? So for many years when our team prior to the pandemic, I'll talk about life prior to the pandemic and life pandemic and on prior to the pandemic, as the team got bigger, we really doubled down on investing in the brand. And there was a lot of, we, we were telling our clients to do the things and we were like, we should be doing these things too, to promote M to M. And we still see the payoff today. So the things that we put into place were weekly videos, live stream videos, consistent blog writing and expertise building, um, positioning 
of members of our team as thought leaders. So whether it was me public speaking or Tracy, um, at, you know, as an influencer marketing expert, or maybe even, you know, one of our videographers talking about how to create video for social, we really spent a lot of time, um, trying to, to build that brand and what M2M was and what we offered. When the pandemic hit, we shrunk down much smaller. We lost a lot of big clients. We lost a lot of our team. I mean, it was, as we all know, it was not an easy time. And I look back and I'm amazed at where we've come out of all of that. So a lot of that brand building sort of went by the wayside. We didn't have the bandwidth to work on our social media or to figure out who we were. Um, now we have a great team again, and we have, we're, we're stepping back into a lot of the things we hadn't been doing. So our social media has a consistent look and feel. It's not just Christine when she thinks about it posting something. You know, there was that time period where I was like, ah, oh, we haven't put anything on Instagram or a social media agency. For God's sakes, we look like idiots. Throw something up there. So it we actually treat M2M as one of our clients now. So M2M has its own director, which so we have two directors on our team. The director is a project manager and it has a social media strategist. And then the additional resources are like our graphic designer and our video editor to help create content. We have an editorial calendar. Um, and I love to say to my team, use it as a playground, use it as a way to try new things um, that we can use with our clients. So if we end up not liking it, I'm not gonna fire you. So it's a great place for us to try things. So um, our team just conceived of right now, it's, you know, um, it's award ceremony, you know, time of year. So they came up with the M to Emmys and we had an internal voting for awards. We had a red carpet ceremony. We had an award ceremony. So you're going to see a bunch of fun content come out about that. And a big part of that is one of the big core areas of M2M and the brand is the people that work at M2M. That is important. And I know this is important for you all at Arlington Strategy too. The people that, that I have on my team, that's that's our brand, right? Their, their personalities, who they are, what they do, what they like to work on, their passions. So I really like to showcase them. I think, you know, over the 10 years that we've been in business, I've had some of the most amazing people work at M2M. And um, I love I love helping build their personal brands as part of being, and it shouldn't just be the Christine show, that's for sure, because they're the ones doing the hard work. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it raises a, a, a great question. I mean, I love how you, you talk about having to treat your own marketing as, as, as a client. And we've had to come to that realization too. Otherwise, it's the shoemaker whose children have no shoes, right? It's, yes. Um, and it's so easy, and I think it's made me personally have so, so much more respect for the client when they're in that position of saying, do I really need to pay to make this happen? And because I know it's, it's an investment for us too. It costs us to pay our team to treat us like a client. So I get mm -hmm. that, but how do you, uh, you know, pragmatically, how do you ensure that your team, as you add new team members and grow and nurture your team, that everyone's speaking from the same brand page. Are, do you, have you developed internal trainings? Is there a vetting? Is the, is it part of the hiring process? Like how do you as owner of the brand manage that um, your team while individuals and are cr and creatives, and I love that you, you give people the reign to practice and play, mm -hmm. but ultimately how do you keep your brand from going rogue? 
Yeah, and it has gone rogue over the years, right? There have been times. So we have had to put some guardrails around that. So obviously I say to every we, every client that comes in, the first thing we ask is where's your brand guidelines document? Um, and it should not just be colors, fonts, you know, and logo use. There's more to that. And a lot of times we have to develop that for the client right from the beginning. So if they're a smaller business and they never really did that, we make that the first priority because we need that to work from. So there's the same guardrails for M10. But in that we- Can I yeah. pause you there? Because yeah. I think it, that is so critical. Can you share more about, because I think a lot of listeners are thinking, well, I thought a brand guide is the logo, the secondary colors and the fonts. So what else, what are the other components that a business owner needs to think about documenting to control their brand? Yeah, so we, we one tone of voice. How, do, how does this brand talk about itself? How, how can you portray this brand? And it may be different on different platforms. Maybe it's playful on Instagram and a little more serious in your written materials that might go out in a brochure or something like that. But we really want to define how the brand speaks. How does the brand put out information? So we work, because we're a digital agency, we primarily work on a social media tone of voice document. Um, but sometimes we're working where we create someone's website. And a big part of that will be, let's stop. Let's not just accept the copy that you maybe already have. Let's go back. Let's think about how we are going to position the brand and how we're going to talk about it. So let's rewrite the copy to actually reflect that. Um, we also... Um, we also have, I mean, when you're creating content and graphics and visuals, there needs to be some guardrails around that. And it's not just what are the colors, you know, you can create, I work with a, a local real estate agent that really wants to have a sophisticated brand, sophisticated. It wants to be informative. It wants to feel chic. Um, there's a lot that went into those brand guidelines that help create parameters around what we put out on social media. And here's the thing that's challenging. We're exploring new platforms with that client, like TikTok. Well, TikTok can have some really cutesy things to it, right? Little gifts and animations. They don't necessarily fit the brand. So we have to figure out how to balance that. You know, this platform maybe has a little bit more of that, but that's not the brand. So what are the, the guardrails there? Um, so working that out with the client to make sure we do that. Um, so, so yes, so I think there's, we actually have brand um, social strategy documents that we create that will talk all about how do we engage with people. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways when people comment on your social media that you can respond, right? Um, it might just be a thank you and it might be very deep and engaging in a conversation. So we have to create rules around that. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot that goes into it. Our brand strategy docs for social tend to be pretty robust. You know, you're talking at least 20 slides that we're considering, um, what goes into that. And then do you, as a group internally, just do like a workshop and a training and, and like talk them through that and, you know, kind of get them excited about it? Or do you just say yeah. that, go check out the guide and, or, or is there more training involved? Yeah, there's definitely a meeting to make sure we're on the same page. So we're making, you know, they come to us and say, well, you're the expert, you tell us, but then we go back to them and we say, well, do you agree? You know, this is our, this is our recommendation, but let's hone in and make sure it actually works. The other thing is, we, we have, it's really hard when you work with a brand that wants to co-create content with you where they want to put out stuff and they want you to put out stuff. We really try to force them to come through us as, so we're sending content to them to approve, 
But if they're going to create something, we make them send it to us to approve. Because a lot of times we have to pull them back within the brand guidelines. That tends to be, and it's just like what I was doing with the MTM Instagram. I was like throwing stuff up through my day. It was Christine Wilson's day. It wasn't M to M's voice and, and story. It didn't, didn't work. So I have another, I have a client that really wanted to do that. And I said, well, here's the deal. We're going to give you your own Instagram account. And then we're going to give you your brand Instagram account that's for you that we manage. So you can go have fun on that one and throw some stuff up there. We'll take what we like out of it and put it on your more professional account. It gives her the freedom to feel like she gets to put stuff out there, but we really can control because she's a national figure and her brand does need to be controlled. So yeah. So sometimes you have to, you have to come to compromises. <laughs> That's right. I love it. So I want to shift gears a little bit um, and, and talk about you know, not the M to M brand, but when you look outside of, of your agency and, you know, not necessarily clients, but just locally, nationally, you know, what, what, what offends you that brands do? Um, you know, do you ever see a brand and you just know, you just know there it's so off it's offensive. It's wrong. What, what is that, 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 ticks you, ticks you off the wrong way. Well, I, I don't know if it ticks me off, but it makes me sad when I see a small local business that spent a lot of money on signage or something, and they really didn't think it through, you know, it's a terrible font. It's hard to read. Um, I was just somewhere the other day and it was a pretty major brand that had put up a sign that was black on this brick that you could barely see the words if you were like, if you were at a weird angle and I kept thinking, God, that's so terrible. Like you're, they're missing their whole brand identity at this location because you can't read it. Um, so I see things like that where they, they didn't take the time to step back. I also, you know, I am not a branding agency. I create brand guidelines, but I am not a branding agency. And I do say to clients a lot of the time, I know there's a good amount of money that can be spent on a branding agency, but it may be well worth you taking the time to do it right now versus having to fix it later. So we're working with a really large association that runs, um, I don't know how much I can tell you because it's not, it's under wraps, but it's a very large organization that has 50 national locations that are um, resources for people in the United States in sort of emergency situations. Their branding is all over the place. They have a national brand that's hard to identify. And then each of those 50 locations has sort of tweaked the brand according to their own interests, their own affiliations. And what it's done is it's caused a lot of confusion in the marketplace for consumers about where to go, um, what this organization provides and what it does. And when they came to us, they had written an RFP that was the full redo of the branding and identity and then implementation of the campaign and evergreen content going on before. And when we went through the process, I said to them, you, this really needs to be broken into two. You need a really strong branding agency that is going to come in and ask all the hard questions and is going to kind of tweak everybody to accept that your brand right now is, is a mess and nicely say that. And that's not me. I know you need it, but I am not going to get you where you need to be. So 
I, and so they've done that. They heard this amazing branding agency. They got to come in and say all the things I wanted to say that were maybe a little hard to hear. And they have done it in such a beautiful way that they've gotten people on board and excited for a major name change, um, brand guidelines and rules that are going to be hopefully implemented across all 50 locations. It might be something that rolls out over time, but it's it, they are taking into consideration the fact that some of these locations have funding that comes from maybe a major hospital that they have to integrate into their brand. So they're, they're taking all of that into consideration. And then when they're finished with their work, we get to run with it. So they're going to hand us this beautiful brand guidelines package. It's going to include implementation, voice, colors, all of that. We've been working on the social strategy document and it's sitting with a bunch of holes in it, right? Because we're waiting, like we kind of know where it's going, but we don't know the visuals yet. Um, and we're really excited to then be able to put that into a plan that we can make it easy for all of these individual, because there's lots of different social accounts, it's not one, but where we can make it so then it will, and this is, you know, this is life-saving type of stuff that the confusion has real impact. And so when this gets changed, this this could make a huge difference in the United States. So we're really excited. This is a place where you're going to see brand make a huge difference. And I, I can't wait to see it be cohesive and clear. Um, so more on that when, when it gets rolled out and I can, talk I can't wait it. to see when that is. Yeah. So if you had a ballpark, when will this be public? Um, probably in the next four or five months. Okay. Looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. I have a question and yeah. I think, um, I loved how there's definitely a process in brand strategy, marketing implementation. I think a lot of times businesses want to jump right into the gold. They want to start marketing. They want to start spending money, but is there messaging where it needs to be? Is there identity where it needs to be? And so it's laying that foundational fun fundamental pieces first and just make, you know, honing in on how important that is. So my question to you is as for our listeners who maybe have a business and they're like, how do I know if it's time for a refresh? How do I know if it's time for a rebrand? What questions should they be asking themselves? Well, I think, you know, one of the things to think about is, you know, how strong, have you done a lot of the work around what you already have, right? So is there already a strong identity? Is it really well known within your market? Like, are you really well known? Cause then maybe it's going to be just a refresh and not a rename. Um, that can be really challenging cause you don't want to lose that identity. Um, and we've watched this, I think, do you guys remember when Netflix rebranded and what did it become? It was like flick something. I mean, people were, furious, right? And it really upset them because the brand was so strong. So I think part of that is actually looking at what your brand is um, and how much it resonates and what the impact would be if you did a major change. Um, or is there going to create confusion in the marketplace too? Um, so now if there is confusion in the marketplace already with your brand, then that is definitely an opportunity to rebrand um, because you don't need to be paying to constantly remind people that you're not the other business. That's, that's a real waste of time. Um, the other thing is I always say to people, you got to think about how much a rebrand impacts. So when, um, 
So I just, I work with a client that didn't change their name, but they just changed their logo. And we were in the middle of a big event for them. And the amount of things we had to consider what had the, the old logo versus the new logo because of when the reveal was going to happen. And it was an in-person event that then got made virtual. And so some things got shipped to people that they were supposed to get at the end of the real event. And they saw it before. I mean, so much. Or I worked with Marriott as a major client when they did their major rebrand. I mean, when you think about how many places that logo is to change a logo and to get everybody on board and to understand. So I always say, you know, depending on the size of your organization, you have to think about that. I have a client down in Richmond that has done a rebrand a couple of times over the years, but their signage on their building is still two logos ago. And they wonder sometimes why people are confused. But the cost of changing that logo on two buildings is, is a considerable expense. But you've got a different logo on your website and your forms than you have when they come into the building. And the reason that they did, did the change on it is the logo that they had, there's an A in it that doesn't have a crossbar. And it confused people. They didn't understand it was an A. And um, so the brand is actually Madarva. They're, they're an outpatient um, uh, surgical center and an imaging center, but the logo looked like Med RVA. And they're in Richmond, which is RVA. So it just, you know, it was actually kind of cool, but it caused confusion. The brand is Madarva. And if you don't know it's an A, then you don't know what you're, what you're doing. So that the rebrand made sense. I think the full implementation of the rebrand will help them a lot, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So it, it is a lot of money and it is obviously part of a part of the consideration, which is why if you ever get the ear of somebody who hasn't spent anything yet to say, yeah. do it right the first time, yes. it's way less costly than redoing because you don't yet have the signage on the side of your building and all the other things that you have to change. Yeah. So are there are there examples of brands that you admire? whether they're local or, or, or national, and what about them do you admire? Oh, this is so trite, but I, just as top of mind, because my son was all excited about it yesterday. We were driving in the car, and he said to me, did you know that FedEx has an arrow in its in its name, just like M2M has an arrow in its logo? And I said, yeah, but theirs is way cooler. I mean, it's so cool how it's buried between the E and the X. So, you know, it was one of those moments where, and I, and so we started talking about, and these are, you know, if you Google cool brands, these are all the top 10. These are not super original, but, you know, Amazon with their A to Z, you know, and it looks like a smiley face, but it means, you know, they have everything from A to Z. I think I love a story built into a brand identity and the logo. I think that's super cool. Um, so those are not super exciting because everybody knows those examples, but I do think there's something really amazing. And I also think when you, I don't actually know the origin of Amazon when they first did their brand, if they hired a big branding agency or not. But if you think about it, that's a brand that has stood the test of time from when they were pretty small startup in a garage. Right. Um, and I still think it's pretty amazing and they haven't necessarily had someone come in and have to do a major change. Um, I, you know, I, I'm one of those people that the delivery guy comes way too often to my house. I'm a very good Amazon customer. Um, I think locally, 
Um, you know what I admire? Falls, the Falls Church Chamber of Commerce went through the work and the effort to do a rebrand years ago. And you think like a Chamber of Commerce, they're a smaller organization. They don't have a big budget. And their, their, their logo is actually very attractive. It has story behind it. Um, the colors are great. They, they work well right now. You know, I think that's always a challenge is coming up with colors that resonate currently, but aren't going to become outdated in a decade. Um, you know, I, I have to tell you, Arlington strategy, the orange is so fabulous for you guys, because when you come up on my Instagram feed and that orange background, I know immediately who it is. I love it. It's like captures my attention. So you guys are so good about using your brand color across the board, not just in your logo, but using it as an identifier. And I love seeing it. So big shout out to you guys. Well, thank you for that. I'll, I'll, yeah. let, I'll let the team know. <laughs> well, and, and when we started M to M, we were just red and black. And I'll tell you why I actually, I was red and black is, um, do you, do you know, uh, Bethany Hardy? Nope. So she's local. She had her own little consulting business at the time and she had a red and black website. And I thought, Oh, it's so powerful. It's so strong. It's, and you know, my inclination was to go feminine and pink. And I thought, no, that's it. I want red and black. It's strong. It's, it, it says that I know what I'm doing. And, and I realized over the years, we introduced actually the opposite on the color wheel, the, the teal, um, that sits completely opposite to our red as our secondary color, because we did need a softening. We needed something that didn't always have to be so loud and in your face. And, um, that red can be really harsh at times. So the teal became an important piece to add into our brand. And because our brand wasn't super well done at the beginning, it, we didn't have a whole palette of secondary colors. So that was important to, to add in. So Christine, as we close, what advice would you give our listeners who are either considering a, a rebrand or refresh? Maybe they haven't even started their business yet, but are, but are looking to, um, or they love their, their logo, their name, but you know, maybe they're not using their color across the board. Maybe they, they don't have a guide. Like, what would you tell our listeners for some advice as we close out? I think the, the number one thing I would say is to create a strong brand guidelines document. I mean, really getting, and I, I'm happy to share examples. I'm sure you guys have some great examples. I think looking at some, you know, another brand that's done it well and, and a brand, you know, that's at your kind of level in your business, right? So looking at other local brands, if you're a local business, looking at national brands, if you're national or, or, or whatever you might be. Um, and, and benchmarking yourself, right. And, you know, am I using a terrible font? You know, I mean, there, there are some fonts that you think are really fun when you look at it on screen and then you look at it in a brand and you're like, Ooh, that just lacks the, the professionalism that I'm trying to exude. Um, so I think creating a great brand guidelines document and starting with that, if it's, if you already have an established brand, let's sit down and do the work to make sure we have that. And do we like it when we finish that? Do we like it? Do we like who we are? Um, you know, are we playful? Do we, are we serious? Are, you know, what is that identity and thinking that through? Um, I think that's a really important effort. And then I do think working with experts, branding experts, when you're doing brand work, um, is important. And, um, I think that, you know, I've learned to let my clients know I can help them with a guideline document for their, for a brand that exists. I can help them with their strategy for social, but I am not a branding expert and they should not rely on me to create their brand. 
they should work with somebody that really knows how to do that. Um, so I think also, you know, marketing folks need to, you know, do, do what they're really good at. And I, and I've learned over 10 years not to try to do things I'm not great at. So, um, I think that's, that's important. That's a great advice, no matter what line of work we're all in, right? That's right. Yes. Uh, so Christine, where can our listeners find you and your brand? Sure. So we're mtomconsulting.com. So everybody thinks it's mtom. That's always fun. There's there's a brand issue right there. But m to m consulting. We actually tried to get the number two, and that we were not able to get in our our trademark. Uh, fight. So that was fun. Um, but we do get referred to as M number two M consulting quite often. So there's another, there's, there's a whole brand issue there. So we'll, we'll, maybe we come back and we, we dissect be episode M next two. time. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Let's go fix it. Um, and then we're all of our social handles are at M to M consulting. So, um, we'd love to have you. We have been exploring TikTok a lot. I have to tell you, be careful. You get on there and you just can't get back out. It's like, it's my new I've, addiction. I've heard that. <laughs> I, I'm trying to avoid it, but it's fascinating I and heard, it's fun yeah. and it starts to really hone towards your personality. So I have very specific politics, so, you know, and it all sort of starts to hone to what I like and I love it. I watch it. I'm like super excited when I get up. My husband's like, you just spent an hour on TikTok. You That's need to awesome. get a life. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think our next episode, let's dive into how our personal politics um, might or might not influence our, our work. I think that'd be a great oh, conversation for sure. to have. Yes, that, that's no joke. <laughs> well, thank you, Christine, for joining us today. Uh, again, we've been speaking with Christine Wilson from M2M Consulting um, based in Falls Church, Virginia. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Heather. So good to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of The M Word. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And we'd really love it if you would leave us a review. Until next time, don't be afraid to be uncensored. The M Word is an Arlington Strategy production hosted by Jennifer Melchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Our theme music is Golden Reflections of the Sun by Vlad Glushenko. Graphic design by Kayla Fagan. Sound engineering and editing by Ben Melchandani and Nina Sofia Pacheco. Editing by Nina Sofia Pacheco and Janelle Walters.